0: This is J.B. Anderson, the Thrash Metal Marauder, the Mosh Hoss, and the Violent Breed, and you are checking out the Three Count Podcast with Red Dog. What is up?
1: I'm in fashion, Rowick Welcome, everybody, to another great edition of the Three Count Podcast presents Now It's Your Ring, and I'm your host. Clifford, Red Dog Miller, the man that leads you up that mountain called wrestling. And by now, after, you know, our 300 and something episode, this being season four, I would just think you would say it with me. I am your sherpa," because just like your tribal chief, acknowledge me. But like every sherpa, you got to have someone who's been there, done that, and can do it more efficiently than you can. That's why it's never about me. It's about who's entering. So who's entering the ring today you see him right there. You can find this person at 1CW, MCW, DCW, Fight, C3W, H2O, EWA, and Voltage. He is one. He is. You can find him as a solo act. You can find this man at a headbanging concert. You can find this man playing, being loved by your favorite rock star's favorite wrestler. And then you can find this man being everything that you wish you could be. He is. <laughs> the Violent Breed, J.B. Anderson.
0: That is one hell of an introduction. Thank you.
1: <laughs> there's a lot of tongue twisting in there. And I was like, man. A, like I... a
0: ton. <laughs> like, I feel really but, bad when uh announcers have to try to say mosh hoss while yelling. Because it's like one of those ones where if, if it hits your tongue the wrong way, it's flowing off in the poor way. But so far, <laughs> everyone kills it. Like, Chad Spectacular right now is my favorite ring announcer. Because he hits all my cues and put so much oomph behind it. I love it.
1: Mm, I love it. Actually, what's funny is I was just talking about this with uh, Chaz the other day, right? Because Chaz is the other half of this, right? I was talking with Chaz, but I was like, I want a ring announcer to do all my intros. Like just list them off. Like, uh, I know he's not supposed to be talked about anymore, but David Starr, you know how David Starr had like that long intro yeah, yeah, yeah. and that's what I want too, right? So I want him like to be
0: like long intro.
1: Yeah, so we're like, you know, now coming to the ring, he, he comes out five foot nine to six foot 10, depending on which convenience store he's running from. He <laughs> is his weight for it. Haley from the island of Misfit Toys, he is the Air Force veteran, intel specialist, the one you call on when you need to get the job done, the DICK of this industry, dog in charge kid. He is the finest mercenary in all of professional wrestling. The friend, the neighborhood, your friendly neighborhood, the rela- the ridiculously kissable red dog.
0: Nice. You spent like an... two minutes of your ten just in the intro.
1: Just an intro, <laughs> bro. Yeah. That's less work that I got to do. <laughs>
0: the less bumps, man. That's that's right. the magic of it. Try to figure out less is more. <laughs> Yo. Know, so one. Uh, for those who don't know, we've met
1: each other at different shows we actually met each other last year with c3w but then we find each other at like one cw we find each other at ewa we find each other like at all sort of different places so it's definitely kind of cool yeah it's always fun to like see you and get to hang out and just chat up with you man so let me ask let me ask this right off the jump right who is jb anderson
0: so jb anderson is uh i've basically been a metalhead like punk hardcore all that stuff for The majority of my life now, I think I've actually been in that scene almost as long as the period of time when I got into it. Because I got into it at like 15, 14, 15, somewhere around there. And I'm 36 now. So it's been like most of my life has been committed to this music scene. And then uh, I just became a wrestler uh, three years ago. (laughs) And I was like, you know what? I want to learn how to I want to learn how to wrestle. I'm getting kind of bored with playing music and I just want to start hitting people and making money for it as opposed to just doing it in the pit <laughs> for free. So, that's basically who I am.
1: I like that. You know what's funny is like for me like you know I got I was in the military, I got out. Mm-hmm. I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do. My daughter told me I was squishy so I was like let me Good. go lose some weight, right? And get in the gym. I meet a dude who has a a, a t-shirt that says John Cena. We start mm-hmm. talking. He lets me know that he's a backyarder. I go yard for a year and then uh i find sicken and i start getting trained by him and then for the last three years i too have been traveling this dmv area learning how to hit people on the face for free well nice. you know there's 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 a there's a price to it but yeah free get, get an envelope
0: for a talk in the mouth yeah, <laughs> yeah
1: facts yeah. so what okay so Huge metal huge metal fan, right? Then okay. decided you wanted to go into pro wrestling. Like, why pro wrestling?
0: So, I, like, grew up watching it. Um, earliest memory I have watching wrestling was uh, my dad and my older brother had a tape of uh, Survivor Series 89. And I started, like, I found it randomly and was, like, just enamored with it. And I was, like, that's all the wrestling I knew for, like, a couple years. Uh, so, I was, like, Ultimate Warrior was, like, the first thing i saw and i was like this person is screaming at me and i don't get it (laughs) but it was just amazing so um that was kind of really like my starting point with it but i didn't really get like into wrestling until like i saw ecw for the first time and that was like 99 2000 somewhere around there and at that point i was like i love this stuff like i want to do this so bad and uh then the pandemic happened, and I was bored, and I was like, you know what? I found a wrestling school that's open during the pandemic. I need something to do because I'm so used to running around and touring and stuff. So that's what I was doing. <laughs> then that all stopped on a dime. And uh, I had uh, the funny thing is with my wrestling training, I had two friends who signed up, supposedly, and they were supposed to go with me. I show up first day of training. They're not there. I send them a text, and I'm like, hey, guys, so what happened? And they're like, oh yeah, no, we weren't serious about that. What are you there? And I was like, I just dropped $3,000 to train with you guys and y'all just bail? And they're like, yeah, we weren't serious. And I was like, well, shit. (laughs) I I was like, I guess I better see this through then. I already got into it. So I honestly was learning to wrestle because I had like, I just wanted to finally do it. Like, the pandemic kind of pushed me into a position of like, I need to stop having once in dreams and just do it. So it kind of, cause you never know when this is going to end, you know? So I just dove in head first, um, just balls to the wall, went for it, broke my ankle in a year in, then came back, kept working, kept working, kept working and had my indie debut in, uh, January of 2022. And since then I've just been full speed.
1: It's funny, man, because I kind of had like the similar path, right? Like I i started January of 2020 and then March happened, the shutdown happens, right? right? And then we go to May and I think it was like Memorial Day weekend. Like I showed up, I you know, ran a couple like I did some stuff, like and I kind of was thinking maybe this isn't for me. Like I'd like I gave it to college try, but it just it wasn't working out. Mm-hmm. And because of Mad Max Morrison, like he was like, No, dude, he's like there's definitely a lot of potential, like Keep coming, keep training. I promise you, it'll click. So I was like, Cool, I'm gonna I'm I'm do it right, I'm gonna keep going. And two weeks before I'm about to make my official debut in front of a live crowd, I tear my abdomen and I'm out oh, for 12 no.
0: weeks. Yeah, uh, that sucks. <laughs> yeah me, me and um, even Fuerte were about to do like uh, they wanted to debut us with like a tag team run, like an odd couple tag team, and then I break my ankle, like right as soon as they're like, Hey, this is an idea we have, and nope. Snapped it, taking a clothesline.
1: <laughs> mm.
0: Yeah, dumbest, it was a uh, pump I've ever done.
1: Wildly, wildly uh, I tear my abdomen, learning to do a three-quarter roll.
0: Really? Just, oh, shit. yeah.
1: Yeah. So I, I, the first time I did it, it felt something weird. I was like, yo, that didn't feel right. And I couldn't figure out why. So I went, so I asked, I left, legit. left ones. Yeah. So I legit asked Ron, I was like, Ron, did that look weird to you? And he was like, do it again. And so I did it again and I felt it. And I was like, mm-hmm. oh, what did I just do? And it hurt to stand up. It hurt to walk. It hurt to sit down. It hurt to lay down. It just hurt, right? And right. I went to the ER. I went to urgent care. I got, they thought I had a hernia. Mm-hmm. But then I got to think, I had to replay everything in my mind. And what I realized was when I was coming down, I was leading off with the right leg and not the left. Oh, and so yeah. I was twisting my body violently to roll back up and that's what caused it so oh. yeah so I, and then the uh my doctor ended up looking she's like i think you might have a hernia i'm gonna send you to a specialist and then we'll go we'll, we'll go from there so i go to the specialist the surgeon right and the surgeon goes this is the funny thing man i think i told this story once so i get to tell this mm-hmm. again it's kind of fun so i had the the doctor's aide right the aide comes in he's like what happened i was like listen this is gonna sound really weird i just need you to know what happened? I was like, I was doing a four, I was doing a three quarter of a roll in wrestling and I felt something tear. And my doctor thinks I might have a hernia. So the hallway is legitimately four feet away and it's very thin walls. And I hear him telling the doctor, Hey, so I don't know. I think he said he was rolling with some friends and he like felt something tear. So the doctor walks in. He's like, hey, uh, Mr. Miller, how how are you doing today? What happened? And I was like, listen. And I looked at his age, and I just went full promo mode. Like, you suck at your job. You suck at telling people what happened. I was like, you should be ashamed of being able to call yourself a doctor. I was like, this is what happened. I was at wrestling practice. I'm a pro wrestler. And that's the only way I can – it's not going to be make sense to be like, I'm an indie wrestler. They're not going to no. know. I'm a pro yeah, wrestler. Exactly. I was – I was doing a roll, and when I hit the ground, I hit funny, and I felt something tear my abdomen. And he goes, oh, you're a pro wrestler? I was like, that's yes. what we're getting across with this. <laughs> so I was like, yes. And so we started talking and stuff and joking back and forth. And then, like, his, his guy was like, oh, yeah, I was way off. I was like, I know. I heard you through the – my daughter heard you through the wall. Like, we <laughs> both know. And uh, so anyway, they found out. They were like, hey, you don't have a hernia. It's just a tear. It's gonna take a couple of weeks you'll get back to it when did you do this and I was like uh about like six to six to seven weeks ago was like yeah you gonna be he's like you're gonna be tender for about three months but you're gonna be good to go in about two weeks sure enough like eight days later like there I am taking bumps in the ring and that guy my surgeon <laughs> now follows me on Twitter.
0: <laughs> oh, that's cool. Yeah, the uh, the physical therapy group that uh, I had to go to to start walking again after my ankle surgery, uh, they were following me, too, after a little while. They're like, well, we have to see, like, our, our work in progress, and hopefully we never have to see you again. That was <laughs> their running joke all the time. Like, the, the guy that ran the place is, like, huge wrestling fan, so... Anytime I showed up, he was like, Mr. Monday night, like every time I rolled in.
1: <laughs> I'd be like, Saturday night, but I'll take Monday too. <laughs>
0: right, right, exactly. It's like, yeah, I don't, re- I do wrestle on Mondays at H2O, but I don't always wrestle on Mondays. It's rare, but yeah, no, it's not, I'm not Mr. Monday night. <laughs> but,
1: yo, so, okay, so obviously you said taking a, you know, taking a clothesline and you snatch your ankle. Is that the worst pump you've taken?
0: Um, if that led to an injury, kinda, um, I, I haven't really done anything too stupid. Like I've wanted to like, man, I had this idea to get eliminated from a battle Royal, um, that was on IWTV. So I was like, I need to do something kind of big. Um, I ended up not doing it, but so at the H2O center in Jersey, there's this, um, one concrete wall. That's like pretty close to the ring. And we have, like, a steel cage that pushes up towards it. I wanted to get bandera out of the ring and then socked hard enough, like, someone charging at me. And I was going to take a bump into the wall and come down. Mm. Um, but uh, when I got there, I kind of, like, put my hand on the, uh, the cage that's there. And I was like, yeah, you know, this probably ain't going to hurt too bad. And I put my hand down it. And the cage is actually not, like, safe. It's, like, really jagged. And I was like, man, I'm glad I didn't do that. Like, just putting my hand down like this, I cut my hand. And I was like, that would have, like, lacerated my back if I took a bump on it and slid down the damn thing. Um, yeah. So that was an almost. I almost did that one. Um, <laughs> but um, dumbest, I, th- I think, like, snapping my ankle on a clothesline is Probably up there is pretty stupid. I just didn't pick my feet up when uh I was bumping and got my foot stuck in the actual canvas. So when I bumped mm. back, my ankle just went like that. Um so yeah, early on mistake. Um I'm trying to think if there's anything else like I wanted to do that was really dumb. Nah, it's mostly been like stuff I want to do and then people talk me out of it. <laughs> <laughs> nice. i usually i, I just want to do like fucking zany shit and i end up getting told like no 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 no, <laughs> like you don't have to do all that
1: yeah i feel like for me i'm kind of the opposite like i there's not like really i have to be talked into like taking certain bumps mm-hmm. because there's just some things that like i haven't like because you know i mean i've been training for like three three years still mm-hmm. right am still going to school and training but like there's just some things i'm just not comfortable with and you know one of those things was Somebody was telling me that they wanted to hit me with the 1916 DDT. And I was like, I've never taken that before. I was yeah, like, that, and I
0: you could fall in the back of your head pretty badly with that. Yeah. Yeah. So I was
1: like, uh, you know what, bro? Like, I'm kind of good with that. And I was like, you can hit me with like other stuff that maybe resemble it. Like, so we ended up doing like a scorpion death drop into a curb stomp. And I was like, Okay. I'll take the scorpion death drop, roll over, curb stomp, go home. And and it worked out. But I was like, this was one of those times where I was like, yeah, bro, I'm gonna be honest, man. Like, I'm not really. He's like, Oh, I got you. I was like, No, I know you do. I yeah. don't got me, though.
0: <laughs> yeah, I don't trust like the, the old, uh, what, what is the old thing they always tell you to do? It's like, Oh, man, I don't want to make your move look like shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, 100%. Yeah. I, my, my only hanging with moves is when it's like too many and I, I have to kind of be like, like, I mean, I guess we're getting into the meat and potatoes of like match planning, but like, I don't really like doing like, too many moves for the sake of doing them like I've had matches with some people where they want to do like 15 16 moves in a 6 to 7 minute match and I'm like you don't have any room to sell I don't have any room to sell like there's really like it's just all movement for like 6 minutes like no one's going to digest that so like I'll take 2 or 3 of those big moves you want to do and we'll make them all count
1: yeah uh, I'm in a point where I'm like listen I really mastered like five moves and Mm. a sixth one is still something that I'm learning, but like, I'm not really, yeah, I'm not trying to do like all the crazy stuff and I'm not trying, I legitimately want to do more character work than I do anything else. Cause I think it's, that's ultimately, and I've kind of, I've come to just just think about it as like, people tend to know that a lot more than anything else. Like, do I have a list of like 20 moves I can do? Sure. Is there all 20 of them that I want to do? No. Because I don't no. want to.
0: <laughs> yeah, like, there's, but know, like, I think some guys don't think about, like, I have to have some in the chamber for, like, a big moment. So, if all your moves are in every match, then you don't have a big moment move, you know? Mm-mm. Like, I got, I, c- I got two that I only break out when I need to. Like, I teased one in a title match I was in last month and didn't hit it. So, I was like, okay, well, the fans know I'm going to try to do this at some point. So, if I come back here and I hit it and it matters, then you know I'm kind of lay- trying to lay the foundation a little bit,
1: and see for me, it's like I can hit a four fifty mm-hmm. I just choose not to because like I don't want to, and like yeah. I can do moon and stuff like that like I love doing those kind of things, but it's like mm-hmm. i don't if I don't have to hit it unless i really like this just like you said a big moment kind of thing, then there's no real reason to hit it, so I'm like, right why am I going to just bust this out for no reason? Like, I just, I'm just going to do my thing and just continue having fun with it.
0: Yeah, that's, that's honestly like the best way to do it. Like, just, if you're not having fun, why do it?
1: <laughs> yeah, because I do. I, it's funny because uh, one of my friends, Jeremy Grimes, before he like stepped away from the ring, he used to always hit this DVD um, and it was like, a, it was a rolling DVD. And oh, like yeah. I started mocking, I started doing it, just mocking him and like now i just have it in my arsenal because i just know i can hit it whenever i want to but i would hit the i would hit his rolling dvd and just like talk shit to him as i was doing it now i'm like <laughs> all right now i'm a lot more comfortable doing this move and i probably should just start hitting this move more often because it's just one it's cool and i like hitting it but two like i it's, it's funny i've just never really thought about like let me let me bust this out in this match one time i just i'm kind of waiting for that moment to where i get to showcase it and i haven't had that just yet even though like I've been, I've been doing this now for three years and I haven't ever busted it out yet.
0: <laughs> but when you do though, it's going to be like a big moment, right? So that's, yeah. that's probably the best part about keeping it in your back pocket.
1: Cause I would love to be able to set it up. Like where I would hit it, roll get back to my feet off, jump to the middle of the turnbuckle, hit a moonsault right off. That would yeah. be like, Oh shit. Did you see what he did? No, dude did a freaking cartwheel. <laughs> like... <laughs> <laughs> right. Yo, so, let me ask you, like, with you, you right, give me, like, five characters that make up who JB is.
0: From, like, wrestling or just in general? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, cool. Um, so, in general, five, I think, like, Beavis and Butthead. <laughs> like, just a little bit of that, right? Because I'm, I'm kind of a shit talker. And I'm kind of a dummy, so they, you know the two of them kind of fall in order. So uh, yeah, Beavis and Butthead. Um, a little bit of New Jack, um, <laughs> just because I'm kind of, again. I'm down for crazy stuff, and I'm kind of a nut. Um, the uh, oh, what's his name? Uh, Cactus Jack, and um, a little bit of Terry Funk. Mm. Those are those are all the 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 minds that are in my head when i'm trying to think of stuff to do
1: i mean those are all great people and i love i remember my first time watching beavis and butthead as a kid mm-hmm. and like i remember the news like had this article that they were trying to spin talking about beavis and butthead caused kids to do like dumb things yeah you know like the articles that was pointing to but one for me in particular that i remember was when they were mud wrestling like, that was, like, one of my favorite episodes of, like, all time. <laughs> Hitting each other with baseball bats or boxing gloves on the end of
0: it. Right, right. There's so many ridiculous episodes of Beavis and Butthead. Like, the one where Butthead gets stuck in the pipe is hilarious. Yeah, It's, like, one of my favorite episodes. Um, <laughs> to this day, like, it's the simplest joke, but there's one episode where they're, like, hanging out in a mall. And it's the beginning of the episode. They just walk by, and Butthead just nudges Beavis, and he goes, hey, Beavis. That mannequin has a butt, and they just start laughing. <laughs> and I don't know what it is. The joke is so damn simple, but it cracks me up every time. I'm easily amused. <laughs> easily amused.
1: I, we're children of the '90s. We are, of course, easily amused. Like yeah, it's just—it's a thing that's in us.
0: <laughs> yeah, our our sensory uh, systems weren't so overloaded by constant like comedy and memes yet.
1: Nope. <laughs> we,
0: had, we had to wait to laugh. You know, we had to wait for the TV to warm up in a special time slot.
1: Yeah, we had an appointment by TV. That's always the thing that I I constantly think about. I'm like, yo, like, we set up times and we were like, with our friends, talk about, all right, at seven o'clock, Monday Night Raw is going to be on. We got to all watch it so we could talk about it Tuesday. It's not like we had DVR where we could be like, oh, we'll just wait.
0: (laughs) Yeah, no, it's like, no, you had to watch it. I, I think that might be one of the things that's making like wrestling so digestible now is because there's so much and there's so easy access to everything. Thing. You don't yeah. have to be anywhere to watch wrestling unless you want to be there live in the building, you know?
1: Which, you know, it's cool, too, if you go attend a live wrestling show. But, like, mm-hmm. or even just watching it on TV live is fun, too. But I think, like, yeah, you're right. Like, just because, like, whether you're, like, streaming it or you're watching it on, like, Hulu or watching it live or you're watching it on, you know, Peacock Network, right, or whatever. Yeah. Like, there's so much wrestling out there with, like... yeah. Just to be able to ingest everything, and it's like, and then what's cool is that you can always find your flavor. Like if you're looking for like a lot of great talent in one area, that's like wrestling all the time. You you have GCW, right? If you want to go watch like Mm -hmm. all the top guys, you can always go watch WWE or AEW. If you want to go watch like a bunch of great performers that are going to show you how to do some things that you probably never seen before, you're probably going to want to go to Impact. You want to see a bunch of indie guys? Like you can watch the Wrestling Open, right on IWTV. It's just crazy how much wrestling content is
0: actually out there yeah and like like you said it's your like 31 flavors like there's like the Baskin Robbins of pro wrestling now you don't have to do tape trading like we did to go find you know stuff something that we actually wanted to watch versus what was on tv even though tv then was like amazing but like you weren't getting FMW type of like Japanese deathmatch stuff on tv which that's that's what I started like getting really into when I was a teenager like I've, I found somebody on like, there's this old website I used to use called DIY And it was like a like underground version of uh, eBay. Mm-hmm. Um, but there was a guy on there that used to sell VHS bootlegs of all of these Japanese deathmatch shows. So I used to just send him like $5 cash in the mail. And then I get a VHS tape in like a couple of weeks and it just had, I had no idea who anyone was, no idea what was going on. It was just wild matches, like six hours of wild matches per tape.
1: I love it. All of it. I remember like asking my dad constantly to like buy pay-per-views for me because I was like, yo, we have Halloween Havoc, and I want to go watch it. And he's like, okay, we'll go check it out. I remember like, Especially because like this ended up becoming like one of my favorite pay-per-views of like of all time. And it's still mm-hmm. to this day one of my favorite pay per views was Holly Havoc ninety seven, right? Where Eddie Guerrero, yeah. Ray Mysterio were wrestling yeah, as the mask versus the Yeah. And then I the funny thing we so here on the podcast, like we watched it back and we were watching uh we were watching the show back and I was like, yo, I genuinely forgot that Hogan and Piper were in a steel cage in this match. Yeah. Not only that, I was like How in the hell did Macho Man never blow out his knees when he jumped off the cage?
0: Right. Like, that's such a high distance. Like, I go from the top rope sometimes, and I feel like this is the day I'm never going to walk again.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Well, it's not even that. It's like he landed, and then he, like, hits Piper, and then he he falls down, and he gets back Mm -hmm. up and walks off. Like, And I was like, dude, cocaine is a hell of a drug. Yeah. Because there's no way that this man just survived. He's walked off like, no. Oh, he's like, oh, yeah, the macho man walks away
0: real good. As soon as he gets behind that curtain, it's, oh, I need help to the top.
1: Give <laughs> me my cane, <laughs> brother.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I think like a lot of people forget about that main on there because of the, like. I think the most memorable match from it is the Guerrero and Mysterio match. I think that's like the match that everyone remembers.
1: Mhm. Yeah, I 100% agree with you on that. And there was like a lot of good matches on that night too, mm-hmm. which is crazy. But yeah, Ray, Ray, and Ray and Eddie like stole the whole entire show, and oh, they're the no one can convince me otherwise. Never. No.
0: Like, there's some of those manias that are like that too. Like the ones that are like highly revered. Like WrestleMania 20 is one 17. Like, t- uh, was it 13? And you watch them, and you're like, man, the undercard of these shows are, like, not really good. <laughs> and yeah. there's like only so many matches that are, like, ones that blow you away, but you remember, like, the big match. And I want to get to a point where, like, I'm like that on shows. <laughs> I feel like that's, that's, like, my stride. Not to make a shit ton of money, because that might be difficult, but I want to, like, leave and people remember my match from the night. That's kind of what I stride for, and I'm trying to, like, work up the confidence to get to a point where I know I can pull that off every night.
1: Yeah. I think that's where like, for me, it's like, I just want to find like that, that sweet spot where it's like, Hey, like I can hang with the big boys and Mm -hmm. work with them. Or I can always just kind of, like, be in that upper echelon level, and people are going to be like, oh, yeah, Red Dog, we've heard of him. Like, he's wrestled out in California, and he's been to, like, Washington, and he's been to Hawaii, and he's been up to Maine, right, and down to Florida and Texas. Like, he's well-known. He's, like, he's just never been signed. He's just always kind of been around. So it's just kind of cool. But I want to be, like, the legend of Red Dog. <laughs> <laughs>
0: The man, with the red dog. <laughs>
1: yeah, the one where like everybody like feels like everybody's like I don't know him, but I know him. Like, yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> exactly.
1: I think that's a cool spot to get to. Like, then like when guys are up in the Hall of Fame, like giving their speeches and stuff. Like, we could just use a name, right? AJ Styles is giving this Hall of Fame speech, and he's like, mm-hmm. "You know, a guy I really want to thank, uh, Red Dog." You know, like he's not, and everybody's like, "Woo!" Like yeah, I've never
0: stepped a foot in the WWE ring, but for some reason <laughs> everybody know me. But you're known, <laughs> you're known and respected. That's that's what. It was. Yeah. that that's one of the things that I <sighs> I was really taken aback by when uh, uh, Jay Briscoe died was the amount of people in wrestling that respected him. Where you think like, okay, this is a guy that we all know locally and a guy that like we respect and a guy that we see in like you know Ring of Honor all the time, but you don't know that the casual wrestling fan or how much of the wrestling world is connected to this person. And then when you see it, you're like, man, that is awesome. Like it was amazing seeing the outpouring of support when he passed. Um, But that's one of those guys like that kind of mindset where it's like, I just want to be respected enough to where people talk about me and everyone goes, you know, yeah, I agree. (laughs) (laughs)
1: <laughs> put that guy in that in that in that category too and i just want people to know like too like at the end of the day like when i when i leave the business completely mm-hmm. right and i'm not even talking about done with this podcast done commentary doing interviews whatever doing mm-hmm. mc wrestling just everything in general I want people entirely. to be like yeah i just want people to be like "Hey, oh, you know what i fucking love that dude he was genuine he right. was the same dude in the ring that he was out of the ring maybe a little bit more energy but like mm-hmm. Behind the scenes, like he was always wanting to help people. He always wanted to talk to people. He wanted people to feel like they were welcome, if it was his locker room or not his locker room. Like he was just, he was just that dude.
0: Yeah, that's one of my things is I try really hard to like just be cool, be kind, and be you know the the person that I want to be in a locker room with. You know, because I'm trying to bring like a lot of like my ethics from the music world I come from, where it's like just don't be a dick for no reason. (laughs) because <laughs> in that world if you're a dick for no reason you can get punched in the head and really no one will cry about it um it's kind of the same way in wrestling like there's so many uh parallels to both where like i i think i'm kind of fast tracking a little bit in pro wrestling because of the music world that i was in before like because they are kind of similar in a way
1: i kind of feel that same way with the military like mm-hmm. the military and and, and wrestling like have like there are things like in, in the military too you know you have your first years where like you're gonna go up in rank regardless right, right? um as long as you're not a complete shit bag, right you got you know you blue falcons not there who you are anyway <laughs> uh but then on the other side like once you get to a certain point like you got to start like i don't want to say politicking but you kind of kind of have to know like people and you kind of have to start learning the the ins and outs of like the management side of like the military and it's the same right. way with like pro wrestling like Yeah, your first couple years, your trainer's going to be there to kind of help you and just kind of, like, show you the ropes. But then after that, like, once you kind of start venturing on your own, it's really up to you to, like, learn the ropes. And I kind of feel that same way. I think the only thing for me, I think, and this is a lesson that, like, I'm still learning now, is, like, Mm -hmm. bro, just fucking ask. Like, that's it.
0: Yeah, dude. Yeah, like, just saying, hey, can I, or hey, do you need any of those? Like, those two sentences are, like, it, 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 limitless in wrestling From what I've I've come across Like I, I got put on a show uh, This Saturday Just by saying hey uh, Can I come help set the ring up And now I got a spot And then uh, What was it with Voltage Wrestling I just was in the car um, And when I got there I just happened to fill a role that they needed Then second show had a role That they needed filled And now I got like nine confirmed dates with them so it's just a matter of like, just asking.
1: <laughs> yeah, it was funny too, because like uh, with Voltage, especially because some of you guys won't see this interview just yet, but you'll know what kind of data it was. But mm-hmm. for Voltage, like I actually just slid in and I was just like, hey, do you guys need me? Like just asking, just because I generally didn't know. Mm-hmm. And then it was, uh, I got a message. I was like, hey, give me one or two hours and I'll get back to you. Two days later. Hey, yeah, show up. Oh. <laughs> like, okay, <laughs> sure. Like, just <laughs> rearrange my schedule now, and I'll just take yeah. to to as a which...
0: All of a sudden, I got you.
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> all of a sudden at the left field, i like, all right, let me get this moved around. I kind of anticipate this might happen, so I was like, cool, I'm here, I'm here, and we're good. And I was like, now nah, just go and take care of this. But it is, it is very weird how the words and like, and I'm always, you know, you're always like asking about, hey, can I? You know, sometimes you don't even do it without asking. You just kind of share a promo or you share a mm-hmm. promotion or, you know, a promo uh, package. You're just doing little things just kind of, you know, helping people out. But mm. those little things actually mean a lot to people. And I think that's, like, one thing that you should be doing as well as, like, helping out when you're there at a show. But then the other part, too, is, like, if you're a travel person, like, I, you know, I drive from, like, you know, Columbia, Maryland, which is, like, a two-hour drive to – out to like one CW, right? I right. stop and to pick up Chaz and Jason Prince, and then we all ride to one CW, right? 1CW. On way. right. Yeah. <laughs> so I like, stop and pick these guys up. Way, yeah. So I pick them up, and then we drive on, and then I'm like, "All right, we're here, so we're doing our thing." And then we drive back, and I drop them off. So we're always it's whatever you can do to help out with the you know the promoter at the end of the day.
0: Yeah, and. I've also come to notice that, like, if you're going with a group of people, sometimes it's a little easier to get like the payday. Um, because you're four people in a car and you're like, hey, you know, like, now our $20 a piece or whatever a piece isn't as bad because we all rode together, we didn't fill up all of our tanks at once, and you know, end of the day, it's better.
1: Yeah, I 100% agree. Uh, AO, oh, so, cause that's like, and that the, normally I ask this question, right? It's like, what's mm-hmm. one of the hardest lessons do you have to learn, right? And I think for me, well, my hardest lesson is, is asking. Like, I just realized, right. like, I just gotta, I just gotta, like, and I, and the thing is, is like, I've developed these relationships, right? And, and this podcast has definitely helped out, right? Like, mm-hmm. and like meeting people and developing these, like, it's really just asking, just asking for help or asking how, how can I be of service, right? Right. It's crazy. Well, which is the hardest lesson you've had to learn being in?
0: Um, man, it's like, I think like I got a couple. One one is knowing when you're getting taken advantage of. Uh, that I kind of learned the wrong way or the hard way. Because um, like I was getting misused at a place and I didn't know any better. And then I told someone about it and they're like, yo, that's not okay. Um, and I didn't know because <laughs> I'm new here. Right. So and this was like in my first year. And I think that that place uh, knew that and they were taking advantage of my inexperience. And just because at originally I thought that like any bone thrown at you, you take when you first are starting and, and you don't ever do anything to like ruin your spot. Right. Because there's no other companies that was in my mindset at the time. Mm-hmm. And then I uh, this year I've kind of been more like, you know, there's other places to go wrestle. If this doesn't work out, I can leave. There's like really, yeah. no bad. like, there's only so many people, so many wrestling places. Eventually, like, you know, I'll figure it out. But yeah, like getting taken advantage of early on was a hard lesson to learn. Um, and then also just like knowing my value, I guess that kind of falls in the same category. But th- those would be the two two lessons that were really hard to learn, like early on.
1: I I agree. Yeah. Both the lessons are definitely still like something I'm I'm still learning to this day. Like I'm still figuring this out. Yeah. Um And then also like I think for me it's like deciphering camouflage words, if that makes sense. Like mm. certain people will say things to you that like, hey, like, hey, we'll we'll do such and such, right? Or we're doing this and this and this, right? And you're like, okay, cool. I kind of like that idea, and it's just not the way it's going to work out. And I'm like, oh, yeah, okay.
0: That that's I always I always feel like really weird about asking in depth questions like that, where like someone says, All right, cool, like uh we'll be here on this date. Okay, what am I doing? Like I sometimes feel weird asking that question because it could always change, right? Um, but now like I'm starting to get used to more places where like I know two months ahead of time what I'm doing. So I can put out promo material, I can promote the show, I can um I can cut promos. Like that's one of the things. Like I really like working with like H two O. I really like working with uh, Bloodstorm Pros, Is like a company that I just started working for. Um, and they're pretty good. And Voltage too. Uh, they're all really good about giving me my matches like early on, so I can be like, all right, cool. This is who I'm wrestling. What I'm doing. I have time to promote because I feel like that's one of my strong suits is promoting. Um, because I was a I was a concert promoter for like 15 years so it's like i understand that whole aspect of it so when i'm on someone's show that's a value i feel like i can bring um is the promotion side of it the getting people to pay attention to what i'm doing um being the loudest voice in the room that kind of idea like if you're at a wrestling show how many times do you go to a wrestling show and there's people handing out flyers for other shows at a wrestling show and they're always doing it like quiet little church mouses that are handing you this like little flyer. And they're like, please come. Right. So when I used to do firing for some of the other promotions in the area, we would go to like a W show or WB show or like new Japan when they were in town. And I am being loud as shit. Like one of the, one of the shows I was wrestling in, I was in a tag gauntlet for some tag team titles the whole time. I'm like, come to this show on this date. I'm beating so-and-so's ass. I'm going to take these titles. I'm just cutting promos to strangers. <laughs> and it's getting people to, like, pay attention and be like, okay, cool. I think I'll come. And I saw, like, a ton of people from that experience there. Um, but, yeah, it, it is definitely beneficial to, like, have that info early so you know what you're doing. And how to be, yeah, how to help.
1: I I like, and see, that's something I like to do is to, and it's like, we can be honest, right? Like we're, Mm -hmm. we're no spring chickens, right? We're Mm -hmm. still like, we understand that like time is not really on our side. So we want to get as much as we can while we still can, but also like at the same time, give back. So it's like, Mm -hmm. I'd like to know those things like, Hey, Hey, red dog. Like we see like we want you to be in this position and we see you working this person, that person, this person, that person. So, you know, if you want to start building this up and start putting these shoes together, hey go get it go go start putting the words out and stuff like that i'm like Mm -hmm. cool i got you and then i'm cutting promo after promo and doing this and talking about this person or you know going to this show telling this person you know telling these guys about it and stuff so that way you know we can get some stuff going and i i definitely agree like that's a great way to do it that's why like you guys won't see this but on may 3rd if I'm at AEW, you know, I'm going to be outside just yelling my ass off like about coming to wrestling shows <laughs> because that's all I want to do. <laughs>
0: yeah, you got you to be loud about it. <laughs> it's, it's honestly like the only way you will get people to pay attention because like I had to deal with that at metal shows all the time where you're trying to hand someone a flyer and they'll just walk past you. Or it's the there's an old Mitch Hepburn joke about handing out flyers where it's basically the unspoken rule of here. You throw this away. Um, <laughs> yes. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Love me some Mitch Hedberg. <laughs>
0: man, what a what a gem, man! I I'm so pissed. I had a chance to go see him on that last tour because um, he was performing in D.C. and then three days later was going to be performing in uh, I think College Park, maybe a week mm-hmm. later, and both are relatively close to me being in the D.M.V. area, and I skipped the D.C. date because I was like, ah, I'll see him in College Park. And he died like two days before. And I was like, no, I could have went and seen Mitch Hedberg. What the hell? Uh, <laughs> so mad. It was, for that one.
1: it was wild for me because I didn't know who Mitch Hedberg was until I got into the Air Force, which was like 2006. And in okay. 2007, like people were like quoting Mitch Hedberg jokes. And I realized like, oh, that's funny. I have no idea who that is. But mm-hmm. I love like hearing the humor. And I was like, if you guys are telling the jokes, these good like this way. He's gotta be really good. And so when I was listening to his stuff, I was like, bruh, not only do I love this man's jokes, but I can totally pull off this like this like character that he's doing. Right. And uh people were like, What? I was like, Yeah, man, this one time I was at a rock show, right? (laughs) And this man looked at us and he goes, How many of you feel like a human tonight? And so I yelled. And then He said, how many of you feel like an animal? And everybody else yelled. And I didn't think that was fair because I didn't know this was a two-part question. How many of you people feel like a human tonight? Yes, I feel like a human. I do not feel like a tree.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I love that whole bit. That whole bit's so good. Yeah, it was one of my favorites. When uh, when me and and my wife were uh, shopping for houses, like his whole bit about like, Realtors being full of shit was going through my head every house we went to, where it's like, it's my house. I think I'm the one who decides how many bedrooms are in it. <laughs> like, <laughs> yes. check it out. This bedroom has an oven in it. This bedroom has my own toilet. Like, the, the whole bit is so good.
1: <laughs> I love it. But so, my favorite joke from Mitch Hedberg, right? And this is, I think this is the first time I've actually talked about Mitch Hedberg, like, on the show, period. But <laughs> right. my favorite Mitch Hedberg joke, though, was the one where he's like, uh, this one time, I went to a restaurant, and the waitress and the waitress asked, "What would I like to have?" And I said, "A chicken breast sandwich." And she said, "How do you want your eggs cooked?" And I said, "Incubated, <laughs> braised, beheaded, served in between two pieces of bread with lettuce, mayo, and tomato and cheese." But we don't got time for all that, so I'll have them scrambled. <laughs>
0: Dude, the guy was doing 4D Ugh. comedy. Like it was on a totally other level. Yeah. Like, I hit- I loved it. Yeah. Him him and like <laughs> Bo Burnham are like the two guys that I think are doing like immensely good comedy. Like they're they're hitting it on levels that like nobody has in like a long time.
1: Yeah. See, yeah, it's I'm, funny. 'cause I'm like, a big fan of stand up. <laughs> yeah. So that's that's the one thing about me too, is that like all my fav- all my favorite comedians are dead. Like it's as bad as that sounds, like
0: all of them were gone. So, don't like like anyone new, they're gonna die.
1: (laughs) It was like Chris Rock, no, never heard of him.
0: (laughs) No no idea, no, I don't think he's he's never one laugh out of me. No,
1: never, never, never heard of him. Uh, but no, like, um, you know, George uh, George Carlin, obviously, Mm -hmm. like one of my favorites, Richard Pryor, uh, like Mitch Hedberg, obviously, being another one, Patrice, um, also really good. Yes, Patrice O'Neill was great. Great, Uh, George. Do
0: you ever ever watch that video of it's? I think it's just audio, but it's him and um, uh, Bill Burr and like some other people. They're just watching the debut of the Shockmaster over and over again, (laughs) and Patrice O'Neill is just losing it the whole time. He's like explaining like the whole concept to Bill Burr. And it's just Patrice O'Neal just scream laughing for like 10 straight minutes. <laughs> I'll, I'll find it and send it to you after this. But it is yes. it is one of the most like the happiest this man has ever sounded.
1: <laughs> uh, Greg Giraldo, like
0: also really good. Yeah.
1: Yes. Amazing insult comedian. Like I loved him. Yeah. It's just there's levels to the game. Mm. And like <laughs> another person I love watching do stand up he doesn't know this yet and he will now mm-hmm. is uh cory bush
0: oh hilarious. i didn't know that
1: yes he does stand up and he's great at it
0: <laughs> nice nice i've i've met him <clears time. throat> i think uh he, he was is was him and someone else i think picking up reggie collins from like a training session one time and i think <laughs> that's where i met him i can't remember it was either there or somewhere else like it's hard like I got ADHD, so sometimes I forget like where I meet people, but like I know their faces. I'm like, <coughs> yes, you. I remember you, but I don't remember where I know you. But I know I. Know <laughs> yeah.
1: So he's super funny. So if you ever get the chance to kind of like watch him go do stand up, like yo, know, it's it's worth a worth a watch. He's definitely nice. he's great. So I'm gonna keep this moving though, and I oh, do yeah. want to ask one last question before we jump into the best segment of the Three Count podcast. So, my last question for you is I need one do and
0: one don't of the locker room. Oh, a do and a don't. Ooh. Uh, Do clean up after yourself. That is a big do, and I don't see it in a lot of places. So, I try to make sure that that's something I at least handle on my end. Um, But, yeah, I saw somebody bring a, a plastic bag with them that was in their bag so that they were able to always put all their trash, everything that they needed, in there, toss it out. That's a big do. A big do is clean up after yourself. We're all adults. No excuse. Um, a don't. Uh, I feel like the biggest don't would be. Hmm, there's a lot, but I can only pick one. <laughs> um, there's so many unspoken rules of locker rooms, so it's like really hard to like pinpoint one. Um, but, um. I wouldn't go and give someone unwarranted advice, not knowing who they are or what they know. Um, I've seen people do that before. And it's sometimes really embarrassing to like watch. Like I get really bad secondhand embarrassment of just watching a stranger walk up to someone else and be like this. And you're just kind of like, okay, (laughs) how do I, I don't know how to take this, this information in, um, Unless it's like a vet or somebody like you know or something like that, that's a totally different thing, but i've I've been at some shows where I've just seen like a guy that's been in for like a year and some change go tell someone who's a vet what they could have done better, and it's a little weird <laughs> It's a little cringy um so my don't would be pick and choose where you decide to critique your colleagues.
1: you see, and I feel like uh like for those who don't know, right, and this is something you could do, right, especially mm-hmm. if you're young and you feel like you want to give critiques, ask it in a question.
0: Yeah, because that's a good way
1: to do at it. that point they can give you the information that you're looking for, versus you saying, "Hey, man, I know it's on a hip toss. You kind of went to this side. be like, you know, obviously don't do that, but yeah. be like, you know, you know, is is there benefits to this, or how you know you went this route, you know." What happened? Can I ask, like, why? You know, because sometimes they'll be, <laughs> honest. they'll be like, I fucking forgot, bro. And they're like, oh, okay. yeah, that's cool.
0: Yeah. If I forget a spot, that's usually it. And it's like, yeah, my bad. I didn't I didn't get there where I should have. Yeah. Um, it happens to all of us. Like, you get kind of wrapped up in the moment and it's like, oh, well, <laughs> whoops. <clears throat> yeah, no, I've, I've seen a couple of situations where it was like some somebody shouldn't have been giving advice. <laughs> at all. <laughs> And I'm, I'm just watching there, and I'm like slowly delving into my cringe pocket. And I'm like, oh, I, uh, I'm going to watch this fold out horribly.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but, well, listen, those are all my heavy-hitting questions, but we do got to get sure. into the best segment of this podcast, which is the three-count podcast, ten-count questions. And, Mr. Anderson, mm-hmm. this is how it works. Right. I'm going to fire off ten questions at you Rapid Fast. Whatever your answer is, that's your answer. Bet. All right, so I'm going to put on the imaginary timer for added pressure. Bing. Bing. And in the words of Mike Goldberg, here we go. SmackDown or Raw? Oh, SmackDown. Favorite band?
0: Mm. Chromex. Let's go. Marvel or DC? Marvel. Favorite singer? Ronnie James Dio. Uh,
1: PlayStation or Xbox? PlayStation favorite actor
0: jonathan bernthal
1: like it apple or android
0: uh android i'm an Neanderthal. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yep uh favorite podcast
0: <laughs> You're like yeah you are
1: <laughs> i know because i 100 i an android too so i'm 100 in that right. <laughs> uh, what was the next question sorry